You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. How does the physician certification process improve clinical performance, increase physician accountability, and ultimately improve clinical and quality of care for patients? What will maintenance of certification look like in the future? Our guest is Dr. Kevin Weiss, President and CEO of the American Board of Medical Specialties in Chicago, Illinois, and Professor of Clinical Medicine at Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University. Welcome, Dr. Weiss. Pleasure to be here. Kevin, I don't think everybody knows exactly what ABMS does. So could you start by describing to our listeners the structure of the American Board of Medical Specialties and its member organizations, and how do you you know, ride herd over all those specialty-specific boards out there? Well, ABMS has been an organization that has sat quietly at the nexus of medicine. It functions as the umbrella organization for 24 medical and surgical specialty boards that comprise the House of Medicine as we know it in the U.S. today. So all the way from internal medicine, the American Board of Internal Medicine, and the American Board of Pediatrics, through the American Board of Surgery, to the American Board of medical genetics and nuclear medicine. And what we do at ABMS is serve as a place where those boards come together and set discussions as to whether there is need for new specialties, how we are doing in terms of subspecialties. And ABMS actually sets the standards by which all of those 24 boards develop their programs. The most uh, notable, of course, has been the certification process per se, but in the past 10 years, it's all been about recertification and the more advanced certification program that we call MOC, which actually is an ABMS-based program. When people think about taking their boards at the end of their residencies or fellowships, it's not a pleasant process. It's kind of an intimidating process, and it's even more so now that more and more specialties are requiring recertification in 10 years or so. Has ABMS done research that demonstrates that there are really benefits of this maintenance of certification processes? I mean, can we prove that it's really valuable to put people through this? Well, let me start by saying I remember the days of taking that initial certification. My certification is internal medicine. I remember taking that test even to this day (laughs) and preparing for it. Now, uh, even though I'm part of what's called the grandfather group because I did my certification before a time when certificates had a time limit, I've engaged in the MOC process, the maintenance of certification process. It is a new process. So in terms of where we have research, there's a substantive body of research that demonstrates those of us who have gone through the certification process in a number of our various board areas do better in clinical outcomes than doctors who have not achieved that high mark in their professional life. MOC, or maintenance certification, was established in 2000 by ABMS, and our boards have begun to roll them out over the past decade. So we're celebrating our 10th year, sort of 10 years young and evolving. Most of our programs are only five years old in terms of implementation, so we established the policy in 2000, and by 2005, the program started to roll out. And so we're just getting some of the data in. One of the most robust of those programs is the American Board of Internal Medicines, and they've actually been able to develop an evidence base that's starting to emerge in the published literature, the peer-reviewed literature, and you can actually track a few of those studies. But through those studies, some very nice examples of physicians who can have this a continued professional assessment program that we call MOC have better outcomes than doctors who have chosen not to do that. Well, that's impressive, actually, and it only stands to reason that having people stay up with the 
changes in medicine is going to make uh, for better quality of care. What about cost effectiveness? Do you have anything that demonstrates that maintenance of certification might help us there as we try to bend the cost curve in health system reform? Well, it's a great question. In fact, the boards uh, have focused in their first iterations of the maintenance certification program on issues around quality, clinical effectiveness, issues that most of us would look towards in terms of patient safety. What has begun now a discussion at ABMS, which sort of sets the stage for the individual boards, is to ask the question, how are we doing in terms of resource allocation? We cannot, as a society and as a profession, ignore the fact that healthcare is driving us into a place where we can't afford good care now. And the very beginning discussions take place of these in a committee called the Maintenance Certification Committee. They're beginning to address, you know, what do we want to do in terms of thinking about resource allocation and costs of care. I expect in the next few years that there'll be official new policy from ABMS that will begin to address this, and then a few years thereafter, you'll start to see some of these MOC programs begin to formally incorporate that in the discussion. Now, there's no reason why any of the individual boards couldn't do that ahead of any of the ABMS policy, but because this is a new area, a number of the boards are going to be wanting to work together to figure out what's the best way to explore this area. In cardiology, with 43% of Medicare costs related to cardiovascular disease, we're going to have to do something there, and we and we will. So that's a welcome change. I think society will appreciate that, and it's a new accountability for doctors. When you talk about uh, maintenance of certification, what are the components or the competency areas that you actually go after? How would you break that down? Well, there's two ways one has to look at this. The first is there are MOC program, and the MOC program has four parts, and that's a little confusing. The first part is professionalism, where we look to make sure that there's a valid license being held by the diplomat and that there's been nothing that the states have done to um, be concerned about that license. Part two is a self-assessment requirement, um, and this is um, more than just standard CME. It's activity related to the need for physicians to do self-assessment that actually has a learning module with reflection on that. Part three is the closed book exam that I think raises our anxiety a bit, being in mid-career or later career and having to take a test that is a high secure exam. And then part four is the practice improvement activity. So that's the first part. And then the next part would be the six competencies. And those were competencies that were developed by ACGME and ABMS to reflect on what areas of medicine we need to look at. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Kevin Weiss, President and CEO of the American Board of Medical Specialties in Chicago, Illinois, and Professor of Clinical Medicine at Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern. We're discussing the value and future of the physician certification process. Kevin, you were just talking about the competency areas. Yep. So what we all realize is that being a physician is more than just knowing the content of how to deliver care. So it's not just about whether or not we know the diagnostic strategy or the differential diagnosis or the treatment strategies. It's putting it all together. A little over 10 years ago, just before we started the MOC program, ACGME, the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, and ABMS developed a joint working activities about to try and define what were those big groups of competencies. And Six were defined. They start, of course, you've got medical knowledge, and then you've got practice-based learning and improvement, so that really reflects quality improvement. Interpersonal and communication skills, which to a large extent reflects how our patients view our ability to communicate 
with them, as well as how we communicate with other members of our healthcare team. We have to be able to communicate with the patients. That's a yeah, that's I know, a stretch, I know. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good stretch. <laughs> um, and then there's professionalism as well, um, and how we act or be perceived in society as professionals. System-based practice, and then what brings it all together is the sixth competency of patient care. Now, I have to say that there's an active discussion between ACGME and ABMS now that is formally looking at whether or not a seventh competency might be added, and that would be procedural or technical skills. That discussion is actively underway. It's currently assumed that that's existing, the six competencies, but particularly in the surgical community, there's a great interest to actually bring it out as its own competency and evaluation piece. That makes sense. As you think about the competencies and the maintenance certification process and the original certification process, can you see this evolving around the HIT age, uh, around maybe electronic maintenance of certification? You see the future out there as having this happen as part of just what goes on in practice rather than punctuating certification through tests you know, every 10 years. Could certification be something that is, is constantly being monitored? I would say everyone should expect that. It's not conjectural. It is the direction of conversation that's going on in the ABMS committees. Most of the boards are just beginning to think in this direction. Our first board, the American Board of Pediatrics, has now formally this year gone to a continuously eligible certification process. So for pediatricians who are going into their MOC programs, they're no longer having a fixed term, but rather they have continual obligations. Now, that's going to be part of what will be the future of MOC, and the future will happen over the next five to ten years. You'll see it evolve. And things that we'll be doing is, one is anchoring MOC in practice. So we're going to be working with physicians who are doing practice improvement activities in their organizations and finding ways to get them to get credit for that as part of their lifelong learning and and assessment process so that they don't have to do things additionally if they're doing good work in quality improvement. We're going to be linking to HIT systems. We're talking about this concept of eMOC or electronic MOC, which would be linked to key EHR vendors. And then we're also talking about this continuous model that would be able to be aligned with two other important forces, and that is the force of the public sector structure of payment and then the private sector. So we're having conversations with the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, and we have an active collaboration with them to see how we can do things More importantly, we just found out very pleasantly that language was approved as the new health reform law was approved that actually provides for the potential for linkage of MOC to PQRI with an additional payment for those people who would participate in PQRI through an MOC program. Maintenance of certification is going to go through an evolution. In fact, it already is going through an evolution. Looking to the future of the ABMS, what what will the ABMS be like five, ten years out in the future? if all these visions are fully realized? Well, I would say, first of all, that what I've spoken to you about so far are things in the works. And the question is, is what will ABMS would look like in the near future? And we're just beginning our strategic planning for our organization. But what is easy to say is that the role of individual boards is going to be strengthened by the fact that the boards will be and are now working together much more effectively as a board enterprise. Now, that's going to have a positive impact for the diplomates out there. Do you think there'll be more specialty boards in five or 10 years than there are now? I know cardiology and ABIM has, you know, what, 20-something subspecialties in there. Are some of those going to get so complex that they're going to be need their own kind of a board process in the future? So I think that there's now 146 is the most recent count, and, and we have a committee at ABMS called COSERT, and that is the committee that establishes new subspecialties. 
And it doesn't go by a COSERT meeting where there's not at least an application from one or more of the boards who are trying to expand to a new subspecialty. So there's going to be a continual drive for that. And I expect that we'll see some new subspecialties emerge. It's not clear if we'll see any new primary specialties emerge, but mostly in the subspecialty area. And at the same time, ABMS is going to do something it hasn't done before, and that's take a look at the context of subspecialization in the context of the U.S. workforce. And that's an important dimension for us to be thinking about just how many subspecialties are good and at what point do we fragment the healthcare system too much. There's also a practical limitation to how much can any one board do to support uh, more subspecialties. So, yes, we will probably see a tendency to some more, but maybe not as rapidly as increased as we saw over the past 20 years. We know eventually on the Starship Enterprise, you only need just uh, one specialty. you got bones and a nurse. They've just got great <laughs> technology and they get it all done. Kevin, what strategies has uh, ABMS adopted to increase transparency of the MOC process? And should the MOC process be transparent enough that patients can look and see what's going on with the doctor that they may choose? It's a great question. Currently, you can uh, anyone can go to the ABMS website and with a very simple login, check and see if their doctor has board certification, and that's at abms.org. And now with maintenance certification coming online, we're just approving the policies that will allow for physicians to be able to show that they're participating in MOC, and and a number of our member boards already provide that information directly, and we're now working to get this as a national data set, and uh, so people can expect that. ABMS is undergoing a very uh, important initiative called the Enhanced Public Trust Initiative, and as part of that, we've been doing things to bring ourselves right into the public focus. That includes, uh, we currently have three members of our board are public members. We're going to six, and so that's going to be important. A number of our key committees, we're all going to get public members placed on them, and we're looking for other ways to increase transparency. We just established an ethics and professionalism task force And part of that will be talking about what it looks like for conflict of interest in physicians and what the boards may be uh, interested in asking of the physicians as part of professionalism. So there's a whole series of good questions that may be emerging in the next couple of years, in addition to the fact that we're bringing uh, the public into the House of Medicine this way. I suspect that that's going to lead to the types of transparency that uh, the public would expect of us as uh, a profession. This has really been a great conversation. Uh, We've been discussing the value and future of the physician certification process with Dr. Kevin Weiss, President and CEO of the American Board of Medical Specialties. Kevin, thank you very much uh, for being our guest today. This was an excellent discussion. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to spend some time with you, Jack. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast to this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.